Welcome to Safety Bites, a weekly podcast on all things related to workplace safety, hosted by me, Jason Schaffenbuhl. The thoughts expressed in this podcast are based upon my opinion and general best practices, which may not apply to all listeners. Always consult with a qualified professional before making any changes in your organization. Can you imagine parallels between workplace safety and lobotomies? Well, I feel there are at least three similarities, but first I need to give you a little background on lobotomies. According to one source, Antonio Igaz Menez performed a lectomy in 1935. The idea was that mental health could be improved by psychosurgery. Psychiatrist Walter Freeman, who coined the term lobotomy, and another neurosurgeon performed the first prefrontal lobotomy on a Kansas housewife in 1936. Freeman's thought was that cutting certain nerves in the brain could eliminate excess emotion and stabilize a personality. In essence, a lobotomy reduced the symptoms of mental disorders at the expense of a person's intellect and personality. The lobotomy is a brutal procedure where holes are drilled into the head and a sharp instrument called a luchtome, effectively a knitting needle or spike with a wood handle, is pushed into the brain. Then the surgeon sweeps the instrument side to side, cutting the connections between the frontal lobe and the rest of the brain. One neurologist more coarsely called it, quote, stirring the works, end quote. It's a crude procedure with no precision, ultimately taking no more than five minutes. Long-term studies showed that about one-third of the people who received the lobotomy were better, a third were unaffected, and one-third were worse off. These were very subjective measures. While these are terrible results, could more really have been expected from such a process? So how do I find parallels between lobotomies and safety? Well, some organizations approach safety in the same fast, crude, and imprecise manner. I'll give an example of each. First, nothing is fast when it comes to workplace safety. Look at safety training. Too often, employers think they can just plop an employee down in front of a TV or computer and have an employee watch a training video. The training is on a topic, hazard communication, for example, but it is generic, so it can be used by a wide audience. Because the video is so generic, the employees do not know which specific chemicals are present in the workplace, the hazards of the chemicals they are exposed to, or what safety precautions need to be taken to protect themselves. Can you use a training video? Sure. But in the case of hazard communication, you need to make sure you provide employees with the specific information they need about the workplace, the chemical hazards they are exposed to, as well as the precautions they need to take. It takes time, but it provides the real information the employee needs. It's not fast, but it's right. Second, crudeness is also something I see in workplace safety programs. A great example is with required OSHA written programs. Employers will often search the internet for a written compliance program for some OSHA requirement and implement it. For example, permit required confined space entry. The employer may skim over the sample program, put the company name in a few places, and place the program on the shelf, saying it is in compliance because it now has a written program. However, nothing could be further from the truth. This crude approach to compliance does not address the specific confined spaces in the workplace, the procedures, including air sampling the employer may use as part of safe entry, or even if the organization has the necessary air sampling and safety equipment required. It does nothing to ensure employees are trained on the permit entry process, the requirements for entry, or attendant and rescue responsibilities. Just like a lobotomy, what results would we expect if employees entered a permit-required confined space under such a procedure? Would one-third of the employees survive the experiment? Do I think sample programs have a place? Yes, I do. They are a great foundation on which to develop your own written safety program. However, They are nothing but a recipe for the organization to follow. The organization needs to ensure it has the necessary equipment and resources in place to implement the procedure in a manner that meets OSHA's requirements and keeps employees safe. 
and the organization needs to adjust the recipe or program to meet the unique specific needs of the organization. Recipe adjustments might include changes in hazards or controls, the completion of training and audits, etc. Lastly, I get to imprecise. In an effort to get her done, organizations will often be imprecise in carrying out their safety responsibilities. Accident investigation is a terrific example. Think about an accident where an employee hurt his back because he was lifting a heavy part from the ground onto an assembly bench. During the investigation, we learned that the part weighed 50 pounds and the employee was not following the organization's proper lifting procedures. In other words, the employee was not bending at the knees. So, what does the organization do? It disciplines the employee for not lifting properly. But, you say, had the employee lifted properly, he would not have gotten injured. That is imprecise. There is no safe way to lift from below the knees a weight of more than 35 pounds. Can people do it and not get injured? Yes. Over time, and with enough lifts, will most employees get injured? Also, yes. There is no safe lifting technique that can make an unsafe lift safe. And lifting more than 35 pounds from the floor is unsafe for everyone if done enough. So, the assumption in this case that a proper procedure would have prevented the injury is wrong or imprecise. The accident investigation needs to go deeper to address the root cause. Can you eliminate the need to lift from the floor? Or better yet, can you eliminate the manual lifting of the part altogether? So I've reached the end of another podcast, and I'll admit my correlation between lobotomies and workplace safety is a little far out there. However, I hope the thought about the fast, crude, and imprecise nature of lobotomies makes you consider your safety program. Do you find yourself rushing to save time? What about taking rudimentary shortcuts to make it easier for yourself? Or do you use inaccurate or vague logic when arriving at ways to address safety problems? Take the time to consider three or four elements of your safety program. Maybe a specific hazard that comes to mind. A written program, employee training, or accident investigation. Have you lobotomized your approach on those issues? What can you do to avoid fast, crude, or imprecise performance in the future? Remember, what you do for safety today may save a life tomorrow. Or at least not leave employees in worse shape than when they started the workday. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and will join me next week. Until then, please make time each day to create a safer workplace.